0: Welcome back to Pause and Ponder, reflecting on the greatness of God in the midst of a busy life. This week, I was able to have a conversation with my daughter, Kate, about last week's episode. We had a lot of fun discussing the ins and outs of this walk on the straight path of the Lord and figuring out God's will in our life. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hey, Kate. So glad that you are doing this episode with me. Yeah, I'm so glad
1: to be here. It's okay. exciting.
0: Yeah, and stepping in because I was gonna have typical family dynamic. I was gonna have Jess do it, but Jess just had a baby and is really tired and busy. So now here I am. Yeah, now ask the single girl, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: I feel like that's a family dynamic, and that's a lot me doing things last minute.
0: Yeah, sorry. sorry love you kate (laughs) all right so um the last episode was the crooked paths and the straight paths and paul yelling at elemis stop making crooked the straight paths of the lord and all my thoughts about that so what did you think
1: yeah i really enjoyed it you did a good job um one of the things that i found really interesting and clicked in my head when you were talking about the idea of the straight path and, and the crooked path is I studied art in college, for those of you who don't know, and so in a lot of my printmaking classes, we had to cut paper, and to cut a perfectly straight edge on a piece of paper, you measure out on the side, maybe you're going to make it eight inches, so you go to the top, and you measure eight, and you make a little tick, you go to the bottom, and you measure eight, and you make a little tick, and then you take your straight edge, your ruler, or there's actually, like, a tool called a straight edge that is manufactured and super expensive because it's perfectly straight. Um, and you take that and you put it up and match it with the lines and then you cut or tear however you're going to make it. And I just found it really applicable to what you were talking about, mom, because for us to stay on the straight path, we need to know the top and the bottom where we, where we start and where we're going. And this idea of like, we suck as people (laughs) and we need the Lord And if we don't focus our eyes on him and that, that goal of eternity and, and just the Lord Jesus, we're, we're not going to have a straight path. We're not going to get there. And so I I just, I love analogies. I love visuals. And that's all I could think about the whole time here talking about that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a good point because, um, we can assume that everyone has those endpoints. that everybody knows, you know, that we're all, we are all sinners Not everybody knows that. Like that is not a given in today's world. And we assume that people care about whether they go to heaven or hell or even believe in heaven and hell. And maybe we don't assume that one as much, but we don't necessarily have those endpoints in common with everyone and that we need to start there.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important that we we define them, right? And measure them right when you have make those marks you have you can't just go okay i have my top and bottom and now i'm just going to draw a line you need that straight edge we need the word of god the the guide that he's given us to get there but if we don't have the two points what are we we're just putting a ruler on a sheet of paper and hoping it works out
0: yeah you got a lot of diagonals (laughs) right right yeah so the straight edge itself is the Bible, like the whole counsel of God, the whole truth. But the endpoints are really why we need salvation and how we get it.
1: Yes, I think you're right. And I think um it's important that we define those. And they're, you know, that's the key to our whole faith, right? Mm-hmm. Is we are sinners and we can't get it without Jesus. We need We need the Lord. And then once we have salvation, the purpose of our life is to glorify God and to further the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so we need to set our focus eternally, not on, you know, stuff around here.
0: Yeah. And also not necessarily on the truths in between, which are important, but like you were saying, if you don't have the end points, you just have little straight bits going nowhere. Like, so And that made me think of, you know, I had quoted from um, or read from Who Needs Theology, the book by Daniel Grintz and Roger Olson in a few episodes ago. And another part of that book talks about the difference between dogma, doctrine, and opinion. And I do highly recommend this book, by the way. It's a great book if you think you're not interested in theology, but you want to know what it's all about. Um, It's awesome. Anyway, here's what it says about uh, these three categories. Over the centuries, theologians have developed three main categories of Christian beliefs – dogma, doctrine, and opinion. A belief is considered a dogma if it seems essential to the gospel. In other words, if its denial would seem to entail apostasy or rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's dogma. A doctrine, as the term is used here, is a belief that is considered important without being essential. That is, a particular Christian church or denomination may consider the belief a test of fellowship without claiming, as in, like, you, you have to believe it to go there, without claiming that its denial amounts to apostasy. The denial of a doctrine may be considered heresy, but not necessarily outright apostasy. That's a little vague, but we'll just keep going. A belief is relegated to the status of opinion when it is considered interesting, but relatively unimportant to the faith of the church. One is allowed to believe whatever one wishes about the matter, so long as it does not conflict with a dogma or doctrine. Denial of an opinion is simply a difference of interpretation. Different Christian groups populate these categories with different beliefs, and that is one major reason for the existence of different denominations. Then it goes on to say about this, To avoid this hard task of properly ordering beliefs as to their relative importance to the Christian gospel, like deciding what's dogma, what's doctrine, and what's opinion, some churches and denominations have simply left everything to opinion. So that's dangerous, right? And then it goes on to say, other denominations have attempted to empty the opinion and doctrine categories so that every valid Christian belief is judged to be dogma. This alleviates the often painful and difficult process of properly locating beliefs but ends up in a cultish exclusivism in which anyone who does not agree with the denomination's particular stance regarding say church government for example is considered apostate so there's these two extremes relegating everything to opinion or relegating everything to dogma one fairly simple and simplistic way of beginning to grasp a major difference between liberal and conservative denominations is to recognize two tendencies in handling this indexing of beliefs. In general, more liberal theologians and denominations tend to empty the dogma and doctrine categories and leave more and more to the private judgment of individuals. That makes sense, right? Because if everything's opinion, then you know it's like subjective truth, really. Almost everything gets shoved into the opinion category. The Unitarian Universalist denomination is the most liberal. But some so-called mainline denominations do much the same without announcing it or by calling it pluralism. Now on the other side, ultra-conservative or fundamentalist theologians and denominations follow the opposite tendency. They empty the opinion and doctrine categories of most beliefs that others would place there and fill up the dogma category. And so you have these extremes. And so I just thought it was interesting to think of these three categories. And it had reminded me, I thought that was really interesting, those distinctions, um, not just in churches, but in individuals, that we get into trouble when we call something that is really, say, opinion, dogma. And that's when we get offensive and distracted from, as you said, the two main endpoints of the gospel. And and if we just put into those endpoints all of the gospel, you know, that we're sinners and that Jesus saves. And so I think that these three distinctions are really important and could be so helpful if we recognized uh, what goes into each category. Yeah, I think that's
1: so interesting. And I think it goes on to like, if you think about in the New Testament, when um, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and stuff and the legalism that they have, yeah, like that, I think it's so easy for us to fall into a legalistic point of view of salvation in, you must believe exactly what I believe and say it exactly how I say it to, for me to consider you a Christian. And that's not, we don't get to say that.
0: Which is such a good point. It is exactly like the Pharisees. And it's so easy to see how they're wrong and and maybe not see how we do it today because it's like, you know, different things, but
1: it well, still and happens. It's, and it's always easier to see legalism in other people than in ourselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. And of uh, course we have to balance that with what the Bible tells us is salvation. Like there is a clear definition of that. And I'm not saying that, you know, there is a truth, there is a straight edge that we are comparing to, but just understanding the difference between like what you're saying, dogma and opinion and all of that.
0: Yeah. I think it's so important. And like you were saying to me earlier in the, the passage I was talking about last time in Acts 13, Elemis was distracting Paul from sharing the truth. And when we, even as believers, Elamus wasn't a believer, but even as believers, if we confuse dogma, doctrine, and opinion we can distract people from understanding those endpoints and that's terrible. And that, like you said, all of the Bible matters for sure, but it's a humility we all need to recognize any of us can mix those things up and we, you know, we need each other to be held accountable or whatever.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it says so much, Paul, Jesus, Peter, all of the people in the New Testament um, talk about seek the unity, you know, be unified, unity under Christ, like all of those things. And I think that it's so easy for us to forget that that is the whole church, not just our church, yeah. or our people,
0: our little group. Yeah. And I think um, two verses, I wanted to look up verses about paths before I did that episode and I didn't do it till after, but I'll just end this part of our discussion with these two verses that I think apply to it. Psalm twenty five ten says, all the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. So just that part is important. If we're on that straight path of God, it's going to be a path of loving kindness and, and truth. But then it says, all the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. So there's the straight edge too. Like you do have to live a certain way. We're not going to the lake. It's all opinion either. So, and then another verse, Proverbs three seventeen says of wisdom, her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. And I think that is a good, um, those are good boundaries for us to have on this path, that loving kindness, truth and peace are all part of it. So anyway, I just love that idea of the distinction. Like, let's think about, we have these beliefs, but where do they rank, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that segueing into kind of the other thing I wanted to talk about, um, our beliefs, we all have our own personal experiences and can rank our beliefs based on that. And sometimes that's bad, you know, and sometimes Hmm. that is just personal experiences. And I think we need to remember that that of just our path looks different. My, my life looks different than your life does or your life did when you were 22. Mm -hmm. And so remembering that the priorities that we have Mm -hmm. may be different and that's not always a bad thing.
0: Right. So your path looks different than my path makes me think of how sanctification looks different in different people. Like, you know, God deals with, certain sins in your life in a different order than in my life so again back to the legalism like i can't go around judging everyone who hasn't dealt with you know say cursing in their life because god's dealt with me on that it's like well i have pride that god hasn't dealt with and god's made them humble right and i think that's an important part of this avoiding legalism too amongst christians
1: yeah i definitely i agree with you um one of the things you talked about in your podcast last week was like finding the blessing or um, contentment in God's plan for you and like where he has you right now. And I really enjoyed all the things you said about that, but it made me think about um, one of my favorite Bible stories that if you've ever talked to me, you probably heard this, Um, but Hmm, just the whole, (laughs) yeah. What do you think it is mom? Mark five how did you know (laughs) yeah mark five i mean it's one of my favorite books not books chapters of the bible and anybody who has talked to me about the gospel has probably heard me talk about this chapter i just think um if you're unfamiliar with it it starts by telling about how jesus heals a man who has many demons inside him and then it moves on to the part that I want to talk about of this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and she shouldn't even be in this crowd of people because it's, it's you know, if we're going by the rules, the legalistic part of it, right. like she's breaking the rules and she decides in this just amazing act of faith, she, she makes this statement. I know if I touch his robe, I'll be healed. Uh, a an act of of silent faith that I just think is amazing but if you actually go back to right before she's introduced to us the reason Jesus is there is because of this man Jarius and he is a higher up guy in the temple and um he comes to Jesus and his 12 year old daughter is dying
0: Hmm.
1: and She's, he's like Jesus, come heal her. Like my daughter's dying, and Jesus is like, yeah, okay, let's go. And he's going, and in the midst of this crowd pressing against him, Jesus is like, somebody touched me, and stops. And this, I mean, there's so much in this that I love. But as Jesus interacts with this woman who who touched him and he felt power leave, and he he stops and he talks to her. And as that conversation is happening, one of Jarius's messengers comes up and says, your daughter's dead, don't bother him anymore, like it's, you missed your chance, and and as that's happening, Jairus is hearing Jesus say to this woman who's been exiled from the community, just outcast of outcasts, he's hearing her say, daughter, your faith has made you well, like go in peace, be healed, and one of the things my dad says about this is Jesus knew that that woman probably needed to hear those words more than she needed to be healed because mm. nobody's touched her. She's not allowed to be touched um, for 12 years. Like that's a long time. That's as long as Jairus' daughter was alive.
0: Yeah. What dad actually says about that more specifically is she needed to be called daughter. Like when was the last time someone called her, a beloved term like daughter, which yeah I mean, is cool.
1: Yeah, and I just I think that is so sweet if you think about being that woman, but then if you think about Jarius, like he is probably one of the guys who would tell her she couldn't come into the temple. So he like probably doesn't have a great view of this woman. Right, and he's hearing Jesus say "daughter," and knowing his daughter is dead, mm-hmm. and and I. I think there's so much it, there's like just a space in between. Um, I'll actually just read this little part for you. It's Mark 5 34 and Jesus is talking and he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house, someone who said your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And then there's just like a space. And this space is like where I've spent so much time <laughs> because Jerry's has this choice right there. He just saw God heal because a woman touched his clothing. And so he has a choice to embrace the faith that he's seen and the actions that he's seen God do and say, I know that you can do more. Or he can say, really God, like you, you stopped to heal this woman But, but what about my daughter? Like she hasn't even gotten to live and she's dead. And like, I don't know what Jerry's decided to do because it doesn't tell us, but he has that choice and we get that choice so often. And then if you keep reading, it says, Jesus overheard them and says, do not fear, only believe. And then he goes and raises his daughter from the dead. And that is way cooler than just healing a sick person. And I think what I love about this is we have that choice to see what God does in other people's lives. And, and we can either be bitter that God's not moving in our life, or we can say, God, I know you are faithful and I know you are working. Like, bring it. Let's, let's see the big movement.
0: I feel like our whole life is in that moment, right? And it's really cool the way you just described it that you've got this woman older woman who has been rejected by community and lonely and, uh, and and probably feeling rejected by god and this influential powerful man who also when he hears his daughter's dead probably feels rejected by god and disconnected and like why are you caring about her and not me which is exactly what you know they they're they have that universal feeling of uh abandonment from god and and both are called have this call of action as they say like that phrase i hate from marketing call to action uh, <laughs> but will you have faith right and um and i think they do i think that's really cool that and like you said that pause imagine that walk i mean i wonder i i bet we could figure it out but i don't remember how far it is from where they were to the house but that walk of she's died but i'm here with jesus like you know i'm in the presence of jesus so i gotta trust i don't know how this is all gonna work out it's amazing
1: yeah i think even in like they're walking back to jarius's house and the mourners are there and so like Mm -hmm. you're walking Mm -hmm. into a situation that the world is telling you is just terrible terrible yeah And you have the choice to walk into that and say, no, God is still good. I'm going to, I'm going to trust him or to join in what the world is telling you. Um, Yeah. And this passage, I mean, it's taken me through, I am a COVID grad. I graduated college in 2020, um, which I'm actually very thankful about. I props to all of the students who made it through this year, because I think it was 10 times worse. But in that, you know, experience of, um, my last semester of college being extremely changed in a day. Um, I think I came back to this passage and I was like, okay, Lord, like I have a choice here. Like, like the world is telling me that everything is falling apart and it's never going to be the same. And like, there's, there's nothing we can do, but, Bunger down and watch 12 seasons of something on Netflix because (laughs) what else? And, and I have this choice here to say like, this sucks or this sucks, but God is good. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I actually did a really fun thing at the beginning of March of 2020 when all of that craziness happened. Um, My brother who was on the podcast last time asked me to read the bible in 30 days with him and i was like okay let's make the most of this time and the lord used that as a really cool experience mm-hmm. of of taking a lot of distractions away and and I, yeah it was just i mean it still still stunk yeah. but um you know i'm thankful for it and i see a lot of things that god did through that
0: yeah and the thing is when we go through hard times sometimes we get the moment of you know, the person coming back to life, being healed, whatever, we see the good in it. And sometimes we don't, you know, sometimes that end of the path of walking with Jesus is heaven, you know, and we're going to, and I don't know, everyone's like, oh, well, we'll know in heaven. I don't know that we're really going to care like why some struggle happened, but, um, we will, you know, we will have victory over it and everything. We might not know why.
1: Yeah. Um, I Totally agree with you. I'm going a little off book. One Go of the it. things. Um, so I've been going through some big decision making in my life, um, and I was talking to someone, the campus director of the ministry I was a part of at college, and dialoguing kind of some future possibilities. And and he was talking to me about this, and I don't know where it is. Maybe you know, Mom, um, in the Bible, when Lot, I think it's Lot and God are talking. And, and he's like, if there are, you know, a hundred people saved people, like righteous Abraham, Abraham,
0: Abraham about lot. Yeah.
1: Yes. Sorry. My bad. Abraham about lot. He's saying, if there are a hundred righteous people, you save the city if there are, and he like keeps going down and down. And so, um, his name is John was talking to me and he was saying like, you know, if you make this decision and you impact a hundred lives, like, is it worth it? If you make this decision and it impacts, and he went all the way down to like, if you make this decision and it only impacts you, like you don't see any fruit, like what, uh, is it worth it? And like, can you trust that God is being productive even if you can't see that? And even if it's just in your life and like, and thinking about that motivation of like, well, why are we doing this? And is it about seeing, seeing what I did or seeing you know that there's that like I think they said it on PBS kids a lot of like seeing is believing (laughs) and 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 they had this commercial that was like flowers I don't remember but I remember hearing it all the time seeing is believing seeing is believing and I remember watching I was probably like six or seven I don't know watching it with you one time we were watching maybe Arthur or something and that came on and you were like that is not true. Seeing (laughs) is not believing. That's not faith. And, and it sticks with me. I can picture like the little green person. (laughs) Hopefully somebody knows what I'm talking about, but, but that idea of like in our world, seeing is believing. And that's what we're taught. Mm -hmm. But In the Bible, faith is not seeing and still believing. Mm even if i never see the fruit of my labor like is that is it enough like is jesus enough
0: or beyond another way to say that just to clarify not just the fruit of our labor but even if we never see or understand why god has us where we are like what yeah. is the point of this yeah. this struggle this this pandemic this situation you know even if we never understand that faith is believing that God is doing something in it, even if it's just in you. I love that. And I think that you kind of moved into the third thing I talked about in last week's episode was discerning God's will, really, sums it up. And you're just talking about that. And um, I think that that is a a good confirmation that, you, you know, obviously you start with praying about it. You're reading the Bible, you're praying, Lord, where do you want me? I'm willing to go wherever you want, all of those things. But if you are seeking God's will and you feel that, you know what, this is a situation where I can see God is really going to grow me. This is going to stretch me. This is going to, I'm going to have to trust God in ways I never have before. I feel like I'm leaping off a cliff. It's probably right. (laughs) It's probably right where you need to be as well as hopefully you're, you know, helping someone else or whatever.
1: And I think the thing um, that really... Was a mind shift in me is that's not a selfish thing to say, Oh, God's gonna grow me here. I'm going to do this. It's not selfish to choose something that you can see the ability for God to work in you for just for your growth, and that will over pour into the people around you. But I think it's so easy to get caught up in this like our culture is a very selfish, me focused culture right Mm now, mm -hmm. and so I think sometimes the church goes almost opposite of like, don't think about yourself. Don't, don't make decisions for yourself and all these things, which there's a place for that. Right. But, but when we completely remove ourselves from decisions, what, what are we making the decision off of other people? And that can be really dangerous. Like, am I making this decision based on how other people are going to react?
0: That can be very tempting to do that.
1: Yeah. And, and I, um, I'm a very image focused person, so I'll share this other image that um, couldn't tell you their name. My freshman year of college, I was at a retreat, and this speaker shared this image that stayed with me my whole life. And it reminds me a lot of when I was in middle school, and my mom did a retreat about getting in the game and like playing for the game of God and like not just being an audience member, but like actually being actively involved in you know, faith in Christ and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but the image is this, like, imagine, like, the biggest football stadium you can. I never have been to a football game, so I just imagine a lot <laughs> of seats, like, as many as I possibly can, you know, and I'm standing on this field looking at all of them. And the guy asked, like, he was like, I, do you want to be living your life for the applause of people who are going to boo you in 15 seconds when you trip? Like, are you living for that, that 15 second high of a million people cheering you on, but the minute you, you know, do anything, they're going to hate your guts Mm -hmm. or are you living for that one, you know, imagine God. And I picture like the dad in the baseball hat. That's my vision of God (laughs) in this,
0: in this, this (laughs) Uh,
1: sitting in this massive stadium, right? He's just sitting there. And he's just clapping his hands and he's like, that's my kid. Like, Aww. I'm so proud of you. Like, that's my daughter. That's my son. And they're doing their best to follow me. Like they, you know, I don't care what those millions of people are saying. You're making, yeah, you're going to mess up. We all mess up. Well, God doesn't, but we yeah. humans do. Yeah. But, but like, are you living to make him happy? Or are you living to make the millions of people happy? And I just. I think that's been a huge shift in like, when I think about decisions in my head, I'm like, okay. And I picture it as like two sides of the field. Like if I turn, there are the millions. And if I turn to the other side, there's just God. Just sitting (laughs) all by himself. And it's like, which, which way am I facing right now? Am I facing the millions of people that, that are only there for the show and maybe want to see me fail? Like maybe they'll enjoy that. You know, I don't know. I don't know about sports. Um, or am I facing God and being like, okay, I'm going to make the choice that, that I might not be able to do it well, but I'm going to do my best because, because that's what you've asked of me and you're going to be there the whole time.
0: Well, and where your eyes fixed really. Right. And that's great. Yeah. That's a great way to picture that visual because I think as long as we live on this earth, both sides exist. We've got the whole audience on one side. Um, and then god on the other and we have to turn away from the pleasing man and and the approval of man to the you know the approval and the relationship with god
1: right and i just oh so good and i think about in galatians paul says like am i doing this to please man like no (laughs) if i was doing that i wouldn't be a christian like i wouldn't be following god Mm -hmm. and that's my summary Of that verse. (laughs) That is not a real translation paraphrase. Uh somewhere in the first chapter of Galatians. Mm -hmm. Um and I just that's a great question too, of like if I'm making this decision for man, I'm not making it for God. There you can't have both, you know.
0: Well, and I think you really have to you as you're figuring out what to do, making decisions about what to do with your life and, and in general seeking God's will, you put your thought process through a sieve. Right of, okay, what what's the real deal? Am I doing this because my mom wants me to, like, is that my motivation? Am I doing this because I want people to think I have a cool job? <laughs> like, I mean, you got to be honest, even if it's just with yourself. And um, I think you kind of went through that process too your senior year when t- talk about when you dropped that class because I think that's such a great yeah. um, so- a great example of going through that process?
1: So um, I studied art and design. So uh, just some context for that. I got a, my degree is a bachelor's in fine art with a concentration in design. And when I entered into college, I had a choice to, to do that degree, a BFA with a concentration in graphic design, or to do something called the bachelor of design, which is just a straight design graphic design degree and they sound very similar to people who aren't in the art world um but the difference is that the bachelor's of design degree is a very structured very set in stone you will take these classes there's not a lot of wiggle room to take classes outside of the design program Um, and the bachelor's of fine art with a concentration in design there's a lot more freedom in choosing the classes you take and you yeah, I'll just leave it at that. So I wanted that freedom. I wanted to be able to take a pottery class. I wanted to be able to take printmaking classes. I wanted to experience that. And then as I journeyed through college, I became more and more thankful for that. And, and the Lord really used classes to teach me how to interact with him in an artistic way, which is super cool.
0: Yeah. Um, We're definitely doing another episode on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love that. It's so cool, but because I was designed. So as a senior, I have to take a capstone class in every design major takes one called design portfolio and it's required for the bachelor's of design degree because I was a BFA student I was required to take a capstone class but I could take the portfolio design class or something that is for art students and about being an artist outside of college and getting in galleries and understanding like what does making art look like outside of college and a lot of other things like that. And I, all three and a half years of college, it was, I'll take the design portfolio because I'm a design student. I'm just a little different than the BDES people, you know. I'll take that, I, I'm gonna do that because that's what a design student takes. Um, and I registered for the class. I went to the class the first day and I sat there and I looked at this professor and I just wanted to cry. She started talking about how it's gonna be more of a self-structured class and everybody's gonna pick this huge project to work on and come up with a creative brief and, and do all of these things which are super cool and awesome. But I sat there and I was like, I don't wanna do this. I, I, don't, I don't want to design a website for myself. I don't want to, I don't want to be a design, a website designer. I don't want to have business cards. I don't want to design people's logos for the rest of my life, you know? And, and I walked out of the class and I went upstairs to my, I had a studio and I called my mom sobbing and we talked for I don't know 25 minutes and I was like there's this other class that my friends are all my art student friends are in that I like I want to know I want to do that but I I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint my professors and all this stuff and my mom shared this story about how she almost had a minor in econ but she dropped her class even though she needed one more class and I was like okay I can do this like it's not I'll still graduate it's fine so I walked into my advisor's office and luckily she was there and she like very encouragingly helped me switch and was like, I think this is a great idea. And then I switched and I went to that class and I, I never looked back. And, and I mean, I talked to my friends who were in the portfolio class who loved it and they were like, yeah, we're working on this. And I was like, I am so glad I did not take that class.
0: But and, yeah, what I thought was really interesting and I had definitely had similar experience when I was in college and I think part of college and that age is coming to that point. Like that is why you went to college, to figure out that you don't have to take these classes or get a certain job to please other people and because it's like quote unquote what you're supposed to do. It was like, and I felt like you felt that pressure of like, well, the the class that you dropped, that was the class like, well, this is the class I need because when you take this class, then you can get a job right? And you definitely feel that pressure of like everyone does in college. Like I'm doing this so someday I can have like be an adult and have a job. And you had come to the point of understanding yourself. And you were also, of course, back to our topic, seeking God's will for your life, that you can be secure in your identity in Christ, that you don't need to do these things just to get a job that you don't even want. Like that isn't, it's okay to say that isn't me, That isn't who God made me. That isn't the path God has me on. Even though I don't know exactly where God is taking me, right? Which is true for all of us. We don't know what's down the road, but I'm going to walk in faith that that isn't me. And this is where God's taking me.
1: Yeah. And I think it, going back to what I said a little while ago, like that's not a selfish thing to say, to say, this isn't me. This isn't what I want. Doesn't have to be a selfish statement. It can just be a true fact, you know? It's like, if you're asking me if I want a peanut butter and jelly or mac and cheese, yeah. it's not selfish to say, Oh, I want mac and cheese, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think that it's so sad when we're sort of living the lie that, well, I didn't really like this, but I had to take it because, you know, I need a job and it looks good. Getting away from the, I have to do this because it looks good is so important.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You said something about um, like our identity and like, living in that and it reminded me of um the church I go to out here in Texas we're going through first Peter and the first week we spent on the first three words I think Peter (laughs) the apostle of Jesus Christ I guess four Peter the apostle Uh, however many that is I don't know (laughs) that sentence and um my pastor was talking about how this isn't this is Peter who Jesus has called Peter his name wasn't that's the name Jesus gave him mm-hmm. and he wasn't an apostle. He was a, what, a fisherman. He, he, he's saying, he's introducing himself as the identity that Christ has given him, mm-hmm. not as the identity that the world's given him. And I thought, wow, that's, that's cool. Like, I'm never going to look at Peter the same way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you go back to when Peter's introduced in the Bible, it's Simon and he's a fisherman and Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you. You're a rock. I'm going to call you Peter. And also, you're not going to be a fisherman. You're going to be a fisher of man. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's go. And, and now Peter's like, hey, this is who I am. This is who the Lord's called me. Don't, this is who I am. And I'm going to choose to live in this identity, in this path that he is. And Peter didn't know what that meant. And Peter was not perfect.
0: And I bet another aspect of that, like finding God's will for your life, I bet Peter never expected that and that God can identify us and draw us into things in our life that we never imagined. That's always been true for me. I'm always joking about like, this is my life. I do these crazy things that I never imagined that like the other day when dad laid down on the floor and I screwed the screw back into his mouth I was like never thought never th- I didn't tell you that story yeah no he's getting an implant and the so when you get an implant they take the tooth out and then they they make like a, a screw go into your bone and it came out so he's like here can you put this back in I was like what so he lies down and I put on these like magnifying um Flashlight things that you put over a flashlight and a magnifier that you wear on your head. And I, I did, he got me a little screwdriver and I screwed the screw. And just, you know, never thought that that was part of being a good wife. But so, anyway, when you accept God's identity that he gives you, it can be things that you never expected, but that's part of the adventure, right? That's just,
1: yeah. And I think it's great. Um, <laughs> it's
0: bizarre, I example, love it. but. <laughs> Well, why don't we wrap it up with where is God leading you now?
1: Yeah, I kind of teased that a little bit when I was talking about um, Abraham and Lot, but in the past basically all of 2021 I've been trying to figure out what what this upcoming fall and rest of the year looks like for me and I've been spending a lot of time in prayer and talking to some really awesome people about it and I actually just accepted the position working with the navigators. Um, college ministry at Penn State. So I'm going to be moving to Penn State in August to join staff there, and I'll be helping lead their college ministry, which looks like leading student leaders, meeting with some of the college girls, um, and doing a bunch of other ministry things. So I'm super excited, and it's super crazy to me. I I mean, I remember sitting in a friend of mine's apartment at college saying, I'm never going to go on staff with naps. Like, (laughs) that's not for me. Um, And here I am. And that's what the Lord's put on my heart. And that's where he's taking me. And I have no idea what that's going to look like or what that means or, you know, how he's going to use that. But I am, yeah, I'm pumped to see what happens.
0: Yeah. It's very exciting. And you're just like, a lot of what we've said today stepping out in faith and walking along that path and um as long as like jairus on the path that jesus was with him as long as jesus is with you on the path it doesn't really matter you know where it goes exciting things ahead
1: yeah yeah i'm very excited and i'm holding holding out like lord i've seen you do amazing things let's do it again like let's do them bigger which i just think is such a a cool prayer of god i've watched you do all these awesome things. And so going forward, we're going to do more. And by we, I mean you, because I can't do
0: any of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I'm excited for you, Kate. Well, thanks for talking to me today about um, last week's episode and all of these crooked and straight path things. I think uh, there's a lot to think about there.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully that was enjoyable for everybody else.
0: Yeah, and totally not surprised that you were able to bring Mark V into it.
1: <laughs> I mean, what did you expect? Yeah.
0: And we will definitely do another episode on how you have expressed your worship through art. And there's just I love all that stuff that you do. So cool.
1: Well, thanks. I love it too. The Lord's really blessed me with cool ideas and the ability to do them.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. I love you. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> as always, thanks for listening. I pray for all who are listening that the Lord Jesus will make his presence known to you, giving you faith, grace, and his strength to live each day for him. Till next time.